0: Welcome to Death Holler.
1: Do you like scary movies? Welcome to season three. Slash or pass. There will be laughter, tears. Tender moments. Jeeze, Jeez my special special boy but most of all screams remember when you're in death holler listener discretion is always advised we hope you have a killer time
0: Death Holler. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is the dream warrior, La Urena. Have you had any more prophetic dreams lately, Urena? Uh,
1: Actually, (laughs) I am so thrilled and so excited to say that one of these Freddy movies actually gave me nightmares. Okay, and that is you, you. You know, you just really can't ask for any more. You know, that, that's what that's what these movies are supposed to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the whole intent of them is to kind of, I mean, not just uh, kind of leave the screen and kind of follow you, you know, to uh, a, basically like Freddy to a place that you can't really defend against while you're sleeping. So
1: yeah, it was pretty bad. So I mean, it's not not a ton to go into uh, we'll get into it when we get into the movies because it really kind of mirrored the movies. So there's that.
0: All right, cool. This episode, we are finishing up the uh, nightmare on Elm street franchise with a meta horror classic West Craven's new nightmare from 1994 and the failed franchise reboot from 2010, uh, a nightmare on Elm street. Both movies are notable for not being headlined by the Frederick Krueger that we grew to know and love. Um, So refresh yourself on some Grimm's fairy tales, prepare yourself for potentially triggering subject and don't harass your pharmacy staff to fill your ADHD medications early. Bitch. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can follow us uh, or you can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod. And we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Let's attack some bees. What is that? What is that?
1: What is it? Oh, no, no, not the beast, not the beast. I'm ah! out oh, my eyes.
0: I decided uh, this episode that uh, because we didn't give it its due in the last episode, and because uh, the it 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 kind of matches the theme of this one, that I would go ahead and cover the Slumber Party Massacre movies, at least a couple of them. There's actually at least three that I know of, and maybe more than that. So, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Uh, So the first one up is Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. Uh, One of the taglines is, uh, well, actually two of the taglines, close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. (laughs) And then the ultimate driller killer thriller.
1: (laughs) Mm, I like the close your eyes for a second and sleep forever.
0: Yeah, I think that's a little bit better. Uh actually directed by Amy Holden Jones, so directed by a woman. So that's that's kind of cool for a movie from the early eighties. I mean, you know yeah. representation and all that. So
1: We did it, girl.
0: <laughs> um, and this actually has quite a bit of TNA in it. So this woman knew exactly <laughs> how the genre was supposed to be done. Uh, Written by Rita Mae Brown and Amy Holden-Jones, so it was written by women. There you go. That's even better. (laughs) And uh, music by Ralph Jones. Uh, Principal players, we have Michelle Michaels playing Trish, who is our first final girl, uh, but she's the party girl of the the movie. Uh, She was also in New Year's Evil, which we covered, uh, Demon Rage, and also uh, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. We have Robin Steele playing Valerie, who's our second final girl. She's more respectable than Trish, but loves her some Playgirl magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was in Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball, Bola Rama, uh, Vampire Nights, and American Ninja 4, The Annihilation. Okay. We have Michael Vallella playing Russ Thorne, who is our slasher, escaped madman in the movie. We have Jennifer Myers playing Courtney, Valerie's younger sister, who's also a playgirl enthusiast. Gene uh, Vargas uh, plays Telephone Repair Woman, who is killed early, early in the movie. Brink Stevens plays Linda. Uh, she's been in a ton of stuff. This is Spinal Tap, Savage Streets, Slave Girls from Beyond <laughs> Infinity, <laughs> Sorority Babe, Slime Bowl, Bolarama, Scream Queen Hot Tub Party. And Nightmare Sisters with Linnea Quigley because they did a lot of movies together.
1: Yeah, I could see that from Savage Streets <laughs> alone. The rest I'm not familiar with because I wasn't a big Linnea Quigley follower. So,
0: Yeah, yeah her and Brink were, I, I, they had to have been friends off set because they did a ton of movies together back in the day. Uh, Rig Kennedy plays David Content. Uh, Jim Boyce plays John Miner. Gina Smika Hunter plays Diane. Joseph Allen Johnson plays Neil. David Milburn plays Jeff. Andrea uh, Honor plays Jackie. Andre Honor plays Jackie. Uh, Deborah DeLiso plays Kim. And then Pamela Roylance plays Coach Jana. So we got synopsis here. High school senior Trish Devereaux wakes up and decides she's going to throw a slumber party. This just so happens to coincide with the escape of a madman who loves to drill things. Not in the way that you. Yeah, would
1: think. I'm like mm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> He's been in the oh. institution for a while.
0: <laughs> Women show their titties a lot. Uh, Maui wowie helps get the party going, and bodies are getting drilled in both a figurative and literal literal sense. Uh, you bring the pizza. I'll. That's one of the other taglines for the movie.
1: <laughs> I got my pencil. Give me something to write with. <laughs> this movie's Body horrible.
0: Count. Bodycat is a respectable 12 in this movie.
1: Wow.
0: Early, early in the movie, the phone repair woman, uh, who is way too hot to be a telephone repair woman, but that's how these movies go. Uh, She's drilled in the head off screen. Uh, The killer basically is hiding in her van and pulls her inside, and the drilling begins, Uh, but not that kind of drilling, not yet. (laughs) Uh, Linda is drilled off screen uh mr content is drilled through the back of the neck Ow. john minor is majorly decapitated oh, wow diane is drilled off screen pizza guy has his eyes gouged out gross <laughs> neil is stabbed five times in the chest jeff is drilled in the back and then drilled some more jackie has her throat slashed with a drill which is a weird way to kill somebody with a drill but hey it works yeah Kim is stabbed in the stomach with a knife. Coach Janna has her stomach slashed open with a drill. And then Russ Thorne himself is stabbed, slashed, de-handed, and impaled on a machete. Wow. <laughs> if you're going to kill the bad guy, make sure you do it in the most bl- uh, just crazy way that you can. Um, yeah, this movie was actually fun to watch. Like, I, I'm actually kind of... Upset with myself that I didn't include this last week or the last time that we recorded for the uh, the school-based slashers because this is actually really fun to watch. Uh, it still has the you know some of the I mean the parts of the middle that are kind of you know cheese, which they do. But I mean, it got it understood the assignment to use the lingo. <laughs> so uh, I would give this a Nick Cage rating of Con Air. It gets the job done, and you have fun while it's on the screen. So. That's not, that's, that's a pretty good rating for Nick Cage. Yeah. Now we move on to Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Taglines, thrills, chills, and guitar drills.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) A New Kind of Rocky Horror is another one. Directed by Deborah Brock, so another female directed. uh, Also written by Deborah Brock. Music by Richard Cox. Uh, has a very Psycho Billy uh, oh, okay. uh, soundtrack. Uh, principal players are Crystal Bernard, who plays Courtney. Uh, she is pl- uh, another actor swapped in for the younger sister from the first film, so it does kind of continue the storyline. Um, and she is the final girl, although it kind of hints that she may be the slasher, and I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, and again, she's Valerie's little sister all grown up. And uh, anybody who remembers Wings, the TV series, Crystal Bernard was one of the main characters on that show. Um, she was also on another show in the past called It's a Living. Uh, mostly a TV actress, and you can kind of get that. I mean, she was ready for prime time, but this movie doesn't require that because it's the acting is not top tier by anybody uh a illich uh plays the driller killer in this one he is a psycho billy ghost slasher oh god uh, <laughs> uh jennifer rhodes plays mrs bates courtney's concerned mother uh she was in the towering inferno nightmare creature uh had an uncredited uh appearance in the original halloween as the psych ward uh nurse and uh, she was the Knight of the Demons, too, so she has some respectable chops in the horror community. Yeah. Patrick Lowe plays Matt, Courtney's love interest and crush. Uh, Heidi Kozak Haddad plays Sally, the blonde, who's worried about pimples in the movie. Okay. Uh, Scott Westmoreland plays Jeff, who's a pervert and the boyfriend to Amy. Joel Hoffman plays TJ, who's just a fuckboy prankster and boyfriend to <laughs> Sheila. Juliette Cummins plays Sheila, uh, who's the redheaded hoe in the movie and uh, girlfriend of TJ. Uh, Kimberly MacArthur plays Amy, Courtney's BFF. Michael Delano plays Officer Kruger. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and Michael Mitchell plays Officer Voorhees. Oh. So they, they, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Synopsis. It's been a few years since she survived the attack of the Driller Killer, and now Courtney Bates is a high school senior. She is a member of an all-girl rock band and wants to spend the weekend rocking out with, uh, with her friends, but her mother wants her to check into a psych ward. Okay. That's because, that's because Courtney's been suffering from nightmares and PTSD, and the condition seems to be getting worse. Despite her mother's protest, Courtney joins her friends, and that's when the real trouble begins. Slutty, uh, slutty redheads be banging. Courtney is continually ruining everybody's uh, good time. And the rockabilly killer from hell begins slaying with and on his drill guitar. Jesus party. The party begins when the lights go out. (laughs) Uh, and it's literally like it's Courtney's like through most of the movie, like imagining like these terrible things happening to her friends. And, uh, she's, and it turns out through most of the movie, it's like chicken little. And then when she gets, when she has them come in, because one of her friends, uh, is, uh, the one with a pimple problem or whatever, she, uh, sees her like being killed and like, she disappears. Um, I believe it's that, that friend, uh, the police are called. They realize that the friend was, uh, ju- uh when they're sitting there looking for, her, uh, it's kind of hinted that she might've been ground up in the, um, in the uh, waste disposal unit. But all it turns out to be is that she went to the store to get some pimple cream or something like that. And whenever that, when they see her come back, they, that, that sets up the rest of the movie because when the killing does start, nobody believes them. And they actually tell them, they actually tell the girls to fuck off whenever they go. Um, and then the, the driller killer, for some reason, who's only in her mind starts appear actually appears out of nowhere and kills her boyfriend. And that's whenever all the actual killing begins And with the way that the movie ends and kind of like this weird dream sequence where she's in a mental institution, it makes me wonder if they're trying to hint that she is a driller killer and she's projecting that, that, you know, she's seeing him, but she's actually the one killing all of her friends. It doesn't, it doesn't give you that resolve. So you never know. Yeah. Um, body count is a respectable seven. Uh, Matt Arbacost is drilled through the back. Sally's drilled through the chest. Jeff is drilled through the back. TJ's drilled in the stomach and then slashed with a drill. Sheila's drilled in the chest. Amy's drops from the high floor of a building and then has a weird scene where she suddenly wakes up on the gurney uh, alive and possessed by the driller killer, but then it cuts to a dream sequence. So who knows? And then the driller killer himself is lit on fire and then uh, it, he falls from the top of the building. Um this has way more fun in a cheesy B movie way than the first movie. So I I have to give it credit. Like when you're watching it just for the bad one-liners for the fact that like her redheaded friend is literally just any time that she can uh, get a moment away with TJ is like, you know, showing tits and like (laughs) making moaning sounds through most of the movie. I mean, it's, it, it is truly one of these movies to the nth degree. So Nick Cage rating, I'm going to give it Ghost Rider. It's cheesy as fuck, but it's actually enjoyable despite all that cheese. So there you go.
1: It sounds awful.
0: (laughs) And the killer is like, I mean, he looks like uh, uh, Elvis Reject. That's what, I mean, if you imagine a 50s greaser. Yeah. That, like, with a leather jacket, and, you know, and he's almost got the, like, I'm coming for you, baby. You know, like, he even has that accent. Oh, my God, no. it's, 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 It's that. And it's funny because the guy in the first movie is literally just a mute a gray headed guy who like just has psycho eyes. Like I have no idea how they thought that this killer was supposed to link to the first one, but they actually realized that they had more of a personality with this killer. So I think in part three, and if there's any more after that, this is the killer that you get afterwards. So um, there you go. I
1: (laughs) I feel like the rockabilly genre has been touched way too many times. Uh, And I don't know what you probably said when these were made, but anything that's kind of made now that has the rockabilly feel to it, mm, don't. Just don't.
0: Yeah. Well, this was in 87. so That makes sense. um, Yeah. I mean, they were still following back to the 50s whole thing, you know, that Stephen King made his whole career off of, basically.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And this is before... If it was before the book, but it was before the actual movie. Sometimes they come back, and the killer is very similar to some of the ones and and you know that that's in that movie. So, yeah. Um. So, anyways, it, it is a genre that's played out at this point, though, for sure. Yeah. So, if that
1: was made in the '80s, though, I'm not upset with it. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. Uh, <laughs> 2000s, you're done.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't do that anymore. It's it's played out. All right, we're going to move on to the first movie discussion for the evening. Um, this one is Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994. Tagline, this time, staying awake won't save you. That's kind of lame. I'm sorry. It, it just is.
1: Yeah, it's not. <laughs> you could tell that we're pretty deep in at this point. What, seven movies? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, this is a seventh film or whatever after they claimed that they would never bring yes. Freddie back. Yeah, so. but this is
1: Russ Craven; it's different.
0: Yeah, well, it is, and and that's the reason they and and they saw the uh, well, Robert Shea, who never turns down an opportunity for money. Uh, basically was looking at it. it. was like, we've got to have a way to bring him back. Wes, can you do anything? And Wes was like, well, I really hate what you do with all the sequels. I'm going to make something totally different. And they're like, whatever, as long as it makes us money. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, And this was actually written and directed by Wes Craven himself. So the, the master of horror did return for this film. Uh, music by J. Peter Robinson, which is probably one of my natives to the film, but we'll get into it when we discuss that a budget of 8 million it made 19.8 so not it didn't set the world on fire but i mean it did you know make profit so there's that yeah principal players heather langenkamp playing herself uh, as the final girl robert england playing himself and uh, demon Freddy, uh who in this one is an ancient demonic entity that preys on children Miko Hughes plays Dylan Porter, Heather's son, and target of Freddy. Uh, A lot of people won't know the name Miko until I tell you he played the little creepy blonde kid in Pet Cemetery, The one that was like slashing uh, Fred Gwynn's uh, ankle toward the end of the movie. The
1: one who died. All right, everyone. The one that got hit by the Mack truck.
0: Yes, the one that set the whole thing off. Uh, I totally forgot that he was in Kindergarten Cop because I think he's the one that says something about girls have vaginas or something like that, which would get you canceled these days. Um, He was also in Spawn and Tropic Thunder, which I'm going to have to go back and look because, I mean, he would have been grown up and I don't remember seeing him in that. But he was probably like a bit player somewhere in the background.
1: He grew up to be pretty good looking. I was surprised. I was like, uh, who's this Miko bitch? Uh, and then I looked and I was like, oh, that kid, that guy's pretty cute. I thought it was the husband in the movie. No, he was the fucking kid. And I was like, oh, shit, my bad.
0: yeah i mean he he's not a bad looking guy now i mean i don't know how damaged he is for making pet cemetery in this movie when he was a child but you know hopefully they kept him away from most of it
1: okay so the pictures that are popping up are the pictures of the the nerdy looking guy with the glasses but i don't know if that's him it could be i mean actor's you know, our actors, but Miko Hughes is pretty decent looking. I, I'd be surprised if they covered up his face like that. So, anyways, moving on.
0: Uh, Wes Craven's actually in this, playing himself as the scriptwriter. I fucking
1: love that.
0: <laughs> uh, Fran Bennett is playing Dr. Hefner, a well meaning but bureaucratic bitch in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she was in 8mm, The Manor, Jezebel, and she's done tons of TV. She played that part to a T, by the way. I hated her guts. Yeah. Like, but you're supposed to. I mean. She did a good job. Uh, Matt Winston plays Chuck, who is an FX worker creator. Uh, he was also in Halloween H20 20 years later and in Zodiac. Rob LaBelle plays Terry, who's an FX worker creator. He actually was in an episode of Supernatural, and he was in the movie Watchmen.
1: Oh, damn.
0: David Newsom plays Chase Porter, who's Heather's husband in the movie, and of course, Dylan's dad. And he was in an episode of Supernatural and also in the movie Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, which I, I love that movie. It's, I mean, it's really good. Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer movie. Uh, Trace Middendorf plays Julie, uh, Dylan's babysitter and Heather's friend. Uh, she was in the Scream TV series, which I think. Funny, given the fact that it must have been like her connection to Wes or something that yeah. got her that role. And then she was in Mission Impossible 3 was her big movie. So, synopsis. As Los Angeles is racked by earthquakes, Nightmare on Elm Street star Heather Langenkamp is being tormented with nightmares about Freddy Krueger and receiving threatening phone calls from someone using his voice. Which is funny because... That almost, this is almost like a precursor to Scream. It's f- that somebody is harassing oh, the, yeah. the main final girl with phone calls. But you I know. didn't even
1: think about that because it's Wes Craven. I was just thinking that Wes Craven was in the movie. I keep forgetting that he actually like <laughs> wrote, directed, and was starring in it.
0: <laughs> I feel like this was his, 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 like his running start to Scream. Like there is the meta commentary, the phone calls, like they, a lot of it matches yeah. up. Uh, Heather is invited by New Line Cinema to star in a new Night on Elm Street film being written by Wes Craven and using the special effects work of her husband, Chase. When it seems that Heather's dreams are a bit prophetic, she becomes very worried when her son Dylan begins having nightmares of his own. Special effects props take, take on a life of their own. Heather's movie life and reality begin to blend, and Freddy breaks out of the movies that were keeping him imprisoned. This time, the terror doesn't stop at the screen.
1: That's pretty good. That one's not I'll bad. Take that one, yeah. That's,
0: that's why I held it for like after the synopsis. Body count is only five, but we have learned with the Night Run Am Street movies that they they go more for usually creative kills than they do actual kill count. So, yeah. In uh, this one, though, it's a lot of just the finger knives. So,
1: yeah. Ch- <laughs> a lot of repetitiveness, too.
0: Yeah. Chuck stabbed in the throat with finger knives. Terry has his chest uh, s- s- stuck with finger knives. Chase Porter is killed in the automobile accident after being stabbed in the chest. Julie is stabbed in the back and has her neck broken. Uh, and then Freddy Krueger entity is stabbed in the leg and tongue and then burned and exploded.
1: <laughs> Freddy and his uh, tongue.
0: Well, yeah, his tongue, which comes back and they redo. I mean, that's something we can get into. They, they kind of like hit the highlights of some of the, the things in the other movies. Uh, I also find it funny that he was exploded in this movie, which is exactly how he died in part six. You know, they just in a different, I mean, they brought him into reality in that movie and then blew him up. And in this one, he bl- he blows up inside of his dream world.
1: Yeah. Well, that was different, Reverend. That was in the movies and this was in the real world. Okay. Oh yeah. It was in, really, it was really in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: quotes in the movie. John Saxon. What the hell's going on, Nancy heather langenkamp why are you calling me nancy john and then john's like why are you calling me john nancy pull yourself together before you make yourself and that kid nuts uh and then she says john would you call robert and then he says robert with a you know quotation mark robert england you know the guy who plays freddy freddy who freddy krueger nancy freddy's dead don't start losing it like your mother did i love you sweetheart don't forget that and then she responds back I love you too, Daddy. And when she says that, I like that interaction because, because that's when she accepts the role of Nancy, yes. which is what she has to do to defeat Freddie in the movie. I I like the the transition there. It
1: was it was physical, it was emotional. It like you saw a whole ass transition happen of fucking shit. Here it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like the entire, like her house changed over to the house from the film, and which, by the way, they changed back to the original blue door from the first movie, into so the red one that was in all the sequels. Yeah. Uh, because Wes kind of just pisses on all the sequels. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, um, Robert England while uh, walking Heather out of an interview, I think they'd like to see us together again. And then Heather's like, "In what, a romantic comedy? And Robert's like, just because it's a love story doesn't mean it, it can't have a decapitation or two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Freddie uh, has a couple lines here. Meet your maker and then miss me. He This is a different Freddie. He doesn't have the the quotable one-liners in this movie. Oh, movies.
1: yeah. He's evil. <laughs>
0: yeah his appearance is way more dark like i mean he's he he goes back they, they kind of give him the demonized from freddie too in a way like they you know but but this time they're like slits or something yeah um robert shea how would you like to join us in the definitive nightmare and then heather's like i thought you killed freddie off and robert's like well we did but the fans you know the fans god bless them they're clamoring for more i guess evil never dies right
1: Yeah, and I was dying. I actually wanted to take a snippet of that quote, but you've already read it, but I was going to like, you know, burn a, not burn a copy. That is so antiquated. That is an antiquated statement right there. (laughs) I wanted to, you know, rip it from the audio and just fucking play it at some point because I was like, when I saw that, I was like, isn't it the fucking truth, though? We've talked about this multiple times, specifically with Jason and, of course, with Freddie. Like, we know deep down in our hearts we would we would love Freddy to come back. We're just terrible like that.
0: Yeah, we probably need to discuss what he said in that article too before we're done with this podcast, yeah. but we'll get to that, you know. Uh, probably save it for the end because I think it fits even after the remake, uh, you know. So, yeah. Um, Heather Langenkamp, every kid knows who Freddie is. He's like Santa Claus or King Kong or, and then she trails off. Okay, um, look,
1: Heather, he is not like fucking Santa Claus. He might be known like Santa Claus, but that's a whole ass different. That's well, two different worlds.
0: Well, it's funny though because this is in the trivia. I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, when we get there, I can just kind of skip over it. But you know that scene where they have her and Robert on the talk show, and then like he stands up, and all the kids in the audience are like screaming out for Freddie. Uh, that was based on a real life thing that happened. Like Robert England was at an actual event, like for some kind of televised thing, and the children were like they wanted to see Freddie, and they cheered him. So
1: that's so funny. it's,
0: it's, it's kind of sick in a way when you think about the, what he is, but yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I
1: have to elaborate on that because you're right. Okay. You are right. Because last night I had to break to my children who Robert England was like, my daughter had a clue. She's like, that looks like Freddy Krueger. And I was like, Oh, newsflash, sweetie, that is Freddy Krueger. And she's like, oh, okay. So she gets it. She's like, that's the actor. And my son was like, Ooh, what? And I was like, hey, also, Newsflash, the guy who plays Freddy Krueger is actually really, really fucking nice in real life. Like, he's a sweetheart. Like, he, if you guys were on that movie set, you guys would love him. And they're like, um, but Freddy, like, yes, Freddy Krueger is a thing in the movies, but what? Like their whole world was like, you don't tell them that the actor that plays one of their favorite scary characters is actually a nice dude. Uh, That's how you ruin Christmas, folks.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and we talked about it in uh, The Dream Child, but the same thing with this one. Like, Miko, just like the the kid actor from The Dream Child, like his favorite, t- I mean, he was a fan of this movie before, like, apparently before he came here, so I don't know what his parents were doing because he was way too young to be watching this. No,
1: but- no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> don't say that. That makes me look like a bad parent.
0: <laughs> well, anyways, he, um... <laughs> um He, when he got on set, like, you know, Robert yet again, like, you know, even though he was in the scary makeup, went out of his way to make sure that Miko was like, you know, felt comfortable and like was, you know, fine. So like, it's, it just goes to prove like he's, you know, it's, he's just the entire opposite of, of the character he plays. So, yeah,
1: it's so funny. Um, but you know what? I think that for those parents, I don't know if they knew they were going to have their kid in film. At a young age, but I do think that for them it worked introducing them because this kid was in a lot of fucking horror films, well, a few.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was at least in his early career. He was in front yes. of them, and, I, and I'm sure that he's probably went back to the genre because, like it's one of those things where if you're a horror movie icon or, you know, like you always have fans, like I, I Miko was like been on the circuit quite a bit, like the, you know, convention circuit. And so I think if he's not doing like, I, and I, I don't think I looked into it. Um, but if he's not doing like these, some of these low budget horror movies, I'd be surprised. Cause that's an easy way to get some cash or oh, whatever yeah. if you've been, uh, in a horror film at all. So, <laughs> um, other taglines in the movie, Uh, These are bottom of the barrel uh, from the creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh. Woo. Uh, Miss me?
1: Yes. Question mark? Yeah, that (laughs) one works.
0: Uh, One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Dot, dot, dot. He's back and he's scarier than any witch.
1: What the fuck? That's terrible. Yeah,
0: yeah, that one's bad. Uh, let's just go into it. Uh, the review of the movie. What did you think about the appearance of Freddie in this one versus how he
1: looks in the other films? Well, you could tell it was a mask obviously, but it works. Um, I didn't hate it. I wish he had the hat a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I think the hat makes the appearance look better uh, yeah. for the character.
1: Do you think that, and you might know this, this might be in trivia, but did Robert England like x the hat or did uh what's his name Wes craven get rid of the hat for any particular reason I don't maybe it made him look too th- friendly or something
0: i don't remember seeing that in the trivia the only thing i can think of is that they next the hat to make him more otherworldly or something because like you know with the hat he's more human but they wanted to go the route that he's like this ancient demonic entity so
1: maybe i mean it. I don't really feel, I, I didn't buy the whole ancient demonic entity, but yeah, uh, it takes away from the fact that he is definitely trying to be more evil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, like his whole, like, it, I mean, his it's, we'll get into it in the story, but it's interesting how like the, the creature in this is like, it's motivation is similar to Freddy's and that's why it uh, latched to him as a character.
1: Yeah. So,
0: um, the kills in the movie, I mean, they went back and they used, uh, well, one thing's the glove. I do like the glove cause it's got like that bony, like yeah. uh, look to it or whatever. Almost like it's, uh, you know, like it's metal grafted onto the actual bone in his hand. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. You know what my son said about it? He said it reminded him for whatever reason, it reminded him of the, um, the, the scene where the guy was the puppet in dream warriors.
0: Yes, he, yeah. He was
1: like, oh, it looks like... Um. He didn't say Dream Warriors. He goes, it looks like uh, the puppet uh, Freddy scene. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get that.
0: Yeah, kind of like the tendons. Yes, like being, like, it had the tendons.
1: I liked that.
0: Yeah, um... <sighs> it's one thing I got to say about the visuals and it was irking me really bad until I realized what Wes was doing with this movie. This movie's visual style at the beginning of it is totally different than, than the back half of the movie. Like when it starts out, it looks more like a soap opera look. I mean, like it's very bright, like even the way that it's filmed, is like a different, it, it doesn't have a film look to it. Yeah. Um. It, it's almost like, and, I mean, it's made even worse by the fact that the source I have is like a DVD, so the picture quality is not that great to begin with. But um, it's like when it starts out, it's like almost like a sh- – and even the way you filmed, it, it's almost like a documentary style. Like uh, you can see the camera moving, you know, with oh, yeah. the person who's holding it. And then whenever it makes the switch about halfway through and Heather starts realizing that Freddie's breaking into our world, it's in the hospital, I believe, when she first admits her son there. The, the look gets darker, like the lights, you know, come down, like the, they, they light it way less. It has that film look and it actually looks like a movie at that point. So it's an interesting, I mean, I know why, you know, Wes did it. Once I saw the back half of the movie, I'm like, oh, he's trying to, this is the real world. And then she transitions slowly into the film. So, um, but it was bugging the shit out of me. Like, I was like, why did he, why did he film it? This looks awful. Like whenever I was watching the beginning of it. So. Uh, Um, and it, and it starts out in in her dream. I think her dreams are film based too, because the very first film or thing we see in the film is like the shot of, uh, you know, like being on set. Oh yeah. uh, And then like the, and then they, they say cut and all that. And then the hand like comes to life and kills the FX guys. And then she wakes up, you know, and, um, that, I, that looked better. It looked really good. And then of course it had the classic, you know, uh, uh, bernstein music you know the the freddy theme yeah. playing which was really good but skipping ahead a little bit the music from about then on whenever they started using the new uh composers music i felt like was a little just it was it was both like generic and a little overblown like it was that kind of music that you could say like dun, 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 yeah you know, like just random stuff in the background didn't have that classic like just, I mean, when you hear that classic Nightmare on Elm Street theme, it, like, sends shivers up your spine because of the way that, like, the fingers just play across the piano slowly, you know? Yeah. Um, and and this movie didn't have that. But anyways, like, I was just, it, I noticed the visual transition, and I thought that was kind of cool once I understood it. But it yeah. was, I hated it at first.
1: Um, I didn't notice it. I did, excuse me, let me rephrase. I did notice it, but for me, it worked. So it, it wasn't anything that bothered me. Um, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen that. Well, the the first time I saw it was a few weeks ago. We watched it with the kids again last night, as I always do. I like to do a rewatch right before we do. Uh, this is the only one I rewatched, though, versus the 2010. But <laughs> we'll we'll move on. But uh, yes, going to the music, I what I feel like they did with the music is they tried to update it too much. They tried to bring it to, this is, you know, it was, I think, 1994 that this movie came out.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. They
1: tried to make it a newer version of it, Um, which back in the 90s, I guarantee you worked just fine. For us that are actually here to critique, we're like, that sounds retarded, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just weird because it. I mean, it didn't it, – I guess it fit for the early 90s, like what was popular music-wise in movies at that time. But it's like you you have one of the most classic yeah. things in existence. And maybe they couldn't get the rights fully to do that. I don't know why they wouldn't because Robert Shea, I would have figured would have had that a lockdown. Anything in the movie, he would have had them sign over the rights to yeah. for use. But maybe that was like Wes's way to like draw the dividing del- line. It's like this isn't – the movie you think of, so we're not going to use that classic score. That could have been his line of thinking. I don't know. Maybe,
1: because you have to admit that Wes is, like, Wes was not acting in this film. Like, <laughs> he wasn't. It, it didn't seem like it. That's how creative he was. I, in particular, I mean, we're kind of moving a little, well, I don't want to move past visuals to story right away, but
0: the, the story is the absolute best part of this film. That's yeah. the reason I mean, I hadn't got to it yet because I love what he did. I like whenever he starts explaining like the stuff behind the character and everything. It That's what made me appreciate this movie. Like, I'm like, you put a lot of thought in this. I, I actually love what you're doing with the Lord in this movie.
1: Oh my God. It was, <laughs> uh, I loved it. It cause I just, it just felt so real. You know, and I think that's why I'll just spoiler alert right now. This was the one that gave me the nightmares. Real could, Freddy Krueger nightmares. I could see
0: that because, I mean, of the two, it's, it's got that blending into reality more. And then it's got, I mean, it, it's, it's got some neat stuff into it that ties it to the real world more than just the plain, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, the only thing I will say about the visuals, otherwise, I do appreciate the callbacks they did, where I think it's Jill and she's rolling around on the ceiling like you know. Oh yeah, that was cool. Like like Tina from the first movie, but I did not like the scene where Miko's running across the road in the traffic. Heather's going after him, and then I mean the the CGI they did for that scene's fine, but then they had like the evil Freddy in the sky, and it was oh, yeah. like he's trying, and I'm just like, eh, that was a little lame. I mean it, you know.
1: There was a couple of things that they did visually that I'm like, what was the purpose? Like, when they had the uh, the, uh, fr- the army of Freddies and the kid, well, I know that the kid's running, but I'm like, you did nothing with that other than showed it to us for like, you know, six seconds.
0: I, yeah, I feel like that's, I mean, the way that they shoehorned that in the movie, I almost feel like that was a Rob Shea, like, you know, thing. It's like, uh, there's not enough Freddy in this movie uh, and then they were just like all right here's and that was Wes saying all right here's a scene where he sees a bunch of freddies because yeah. it wasn't important to the overall story and you could tell that like i mean like wes's like whole thing was the photo fo- was the story itself and like how like you know the i mean like focusing on heather and like her reaction to it more than you know the freddie part of it
1: You know what was hard visually is that I think the actual Wes's creative, actual creativeness behind how he filmed things, the lighting he used, the direction of the camera, angles, everything like that were so good that when they did decide to use CG, it was really, it it trashed the movie so much, honestly. (laughs) I see where they were going and they were trying. It was way cool back in the day, I imagine. Um it's so hard
0: it it just doesn't fit the rest of the movie
1: no because he really put he he really amped it up in this film in terms of storyline and you know like i said everything so to have that it was it was kind of sad it was like oh fuck this is lame you know (laughs) (laughs) like you were doing so good you probably could have did a real effect it probably would have been way cheaper and you probably would have done it way better
0: I, I think so. I think they would stuck to more uh, uh, prosthetic-based stuff that they would have been fine. And, like, I know that a lot of the movie didn't necessarily take place in dreams, and what did was more, I mean, it was more like, it, was, it, it wasn't the, when you go into the nightmare realm in this movie, it wasn't the fantastical. You wouldn't go in until the very end. You were not going into the boiler room. You wasn't going into these, weird locations it was literally you were going into the same place you were in the real world but now freddy was you know like yeah. you know involved in it and it made sense for the movie it just visually it kind of i mean it didn't stand out as much as some of the previous movies that way yeah um story-wise we'll have to move we'll move on to that because <sighs> that's the the crutch of this movie the that will the line where Wes is explaining to her that he had to write the story that it, you know, that it was writing him. Uh, first of all I love that because any writer can kind of tell you that once you get like in the flow of a story, like things start to change and the actual story, like characters that you thought would do one thing, end up doing something else. And when you look at it, you're like, I, that's not what I was intending to write. Why did it come out this way? Um, the uh, and I, I'm blanking on his name, but the original Conan writer uh said that, like, I mean, he had a weird way of explaining it. It was like actual Conan himself was like coming through and like having him write his stories out, yeah. And uh, Stephen King said similar things about some of his stories, the ones that like stood out the most. So I just think I find it interesting that Wes put that in there that line that specific way and uh, the fact that he and he told like Nancy or well, Heather. That he's like, you know, the way he set it up, he's like, you... She's like, she even asked him in that one scene, she's like, why me, Wes? Why Why do I have to be the one? He's like, because you are the final girl. You are the one who defeated Freddy, so now he has to defeat you. Yeah. To, you know, to cu-. and I just love that, that whole, like, mythos that he built around the character. Yeah. He, and he made Freddy basically... He, he had that line. He said that, you know, this is a demon that has attacked mankind since beginning, and the only way that we can keep him trapped is to put him in stories, but the stories grow old, so we have to invent new ones. Yeah. And, and it's like, and it ties, like, basically Nightmare on Elm Street back to, like, Hansel and Gretel and, you know, like, all the all that stuff. So I, I kind of like the through line that he gave that, too.
1: Yeah, I liked the oven at the end. I liked how the kid needed him his mom to finish the story. Uh, because you know, like, Hey, that's how I get through this. Um, and visually with the storyline, I, you never get tired of Freddy Krueger's tongue. (laughs) So funny. It's so cheap looking. And, uh, I'm not upset about the arm stretch either.
0: No, it was actually kind of cool because it was a good throwback to the first film, which, you know, for hubris or because it you know a lot of fans do agree uh you know Wes has a point it, it is the best movie in the series like yeah. part one is i mean i love dream warriors it's the best sequel and it's probably the best sequel in most of these franchises period but the problem is is it still part one is its own movie and didn't need the ending they gave it, it no it, if it would have ended with Nancy turning her back on Freddie and then he would have been defeated, that's actually a damn good ending. And Wes had a point that it should have stopped there, but yeah. you know,
1: it Robert Shea likes his money. <laughs> yeah. Um, storyline related. Oh God. Where was I going with? Oh shit. I lost it.
0: um, I was gonna say on the story, I love how John Saxon in particular is using this movie because oh, even yeah. without him being uh, you know, his her father, he plays that figure.
1: Yes. Very well.
0: And, and, and he, and I love the relationship in the movie prior to, it's like, she's leaning on him. She's like, John, I don't know what's going on. And like, he's like, he's actually the father that Nancy needed from the first movie. But like, John is that to Heather. I love that whole interaction between the two of them.
1: Also do those two in 10 years, did they not fucking age? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's one thing I was going to get to with the acting. Heather Langenkamp is smoking hot in She's this movie. She's so
1: freaking hot. I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I had to look at old photos of her to feel better about myself.
0: Uh, what, Yeah, I mean, and then I don't know if you noticed, but she ended up getting from – uh, um the first movie she like in this one, when she started like toward the end of the movie, she got the gray swirl back in her hair again. Yes. Um, I was like, that's a good callback, but yeah, like her at the beginning of it, when she's in that dress, getting ready to go to that, uh, (laughs) you know, TV thing. I'm like, geez louise like i mean lady you're i mean you she at that time had already had a kid herself yeah because they they based and i'm like you look more gorgeous than you did back whenever you were in your prime she got
1: better (laughs) like she she got hotter and i was like ugh disgusting
0: and and you're right john saxon looked like he was perpetually like 40 years old or, or late 30s for like 20 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, they could have been like they could have been friends, but like not like after I realized it was her dad cuz it took me a minute to catch up on what's going on and I'm like um oh, oh yeah, I forgot that was her dad. Oh yeah, he looks just, oh yeah, of course that's him. It looks just like him. He didn't age. Uh she more or less caught up. To, even though she doesn't look like she aged, she matured. So she doesn't look like a teenage, an older teenager. She looks like a young woman now. Yeah. But he sure. still doesn't look that old. So they look closer in age now a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's um it, it was kind of weird seeing that. And then um Robert England is Robert England. I mean, there's oh. really no <laughs> That's what I wanted no that's what difference. I
1: lost. Okay, in the storyline Do you know how bad it fucked me up that Robert England went psycho crazy in this film? Like, because it felt so, everything felt so real to me that this was actually really happening. That's how much, like, how well I think Wes Craven did. And the storytelling is that when I saw Robert England painting his crazy ass painting and fucking losing his mind, I'm like, no, not, not the nice actor that (laughs) plays one of the scariest dream guys ever, you know?
0: Um... I, that's something I was going to bring up about the story, though. While we're at it, too, uh, that's the one thing that I feel like kind of—and maybe there was an altered version of this movie, like an alternate director's cut—that was something was dropped out. What happened with Freddie or with Robert England's storyline after that point? Because it showed him being obsessed with the painting, but then, to my knowledge, you never see him again for the rest of the film. <sighs>
1: So, I, you don't know. You don't actually know. What I created in my head was that he was the Freddy. Like, he actually turned into Freddy.
0: Okay, so the any time that people were attacked, it was actually, it was, it was Robert. Yeah, uh, like, when he jumped possessed. out of her closet,
1: I was like, Robert, no! I was waiting for her to say it, and she didn't.
0: Okay. But um, I
1: don't know that, it, but see, that's not, I don't know that that's what really happened
0: yeah that's the thing i don't i I didn't see that and i don't i mean and i didn't want to assume that about the movie because it didn't have a through line once it showed him being obsessed too and and you know and showing like basically freddie coming out of the painting or whatever you know like that was the way that the painting was designed it was like after that it was you know you never saw him again and then she didn't even like she, she for the rest of the movie she's She's waiting for Robert to get back in touch with her, yeah. but then, like, he never does. So well, you see, never know what happened to him. That's
1: what I created in my head to protect me because I cannot fathom the thought that they just dropped him off. Like, he was like, she calls, you know, to, you know, check on him. She's getting ready to go see him. And he's like, we're out of town. Don't come visit us or whatever. And it's like, No, that can't be the end of that. Like, he didn't just fucking disappear. And then they don't even question it. Granted, she doesn't really get time to question it, so... I guess that part works, but I'm like... To me, it would have made more sense that while he was losing his fucking mind, he thought he was Freddy Krueger. Actually Freddy Krueger. Or became Freddy Krueger.
0: I could see him doing that, but in my headcanon, I think what I was imagining happened, it was that he painted that, and then later that night, there's a scene that's missing where... Freddie crawls out of the painting and kills Robert, you know, in the movie. That would be That's cool. that but they I don't know what happened to that scene. It's like it was where did that go? Like I mean that that should have been in there at least for the transition so yeah. the audience knew what happened. You I know?
1: didn't see that in my version of the film, so
0: um but anyways that's the one thing that i was like geez i really wish that i mean because i'm like this is this is actually what out of the besides the first movie the best written movie of of the in the series and that's the one negative point i have about the story in that is that they they left that hanging and didn't really resolve it at all yeah you didn't you didn't need to see what happened to west because it was assumed that Freddie was going to get him because he, you know, he, he was the scribe. He was the one bringing Freddie into reality. But once he had done his job, he would, he would be, there'd be no use for him. So he would be dead. And that's kind of the, when he talked to Nancy or to Heather, that's the vibe you got from him. It's like, okay, I, I'm, this is it for me. I'm not, you know, like you're the one that has to finish this Heather. I, I'm, you know, I have no control over what happens from here on out. So, yeah. Um, but, but I mean, across the board, I, I like what they did. i also like the way that he worked in like the bureaucracy with like the, the, the woman. she was trying to do good for, for Heather's son because she thought that Heather was losing it yeah. and she was to be honest, but I mean, she ended up hurting the kid more than helping and I, yeah. and that's almost like a, a weird, weirdly well constructed and hidden critique of like modern medicine. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> put in this movie uh or at least mental health uh in this country because god knows it's not that great um the way that they they do it yeah uh acting i thought heather langenkamp knocks it out of the park oh yeah
1: always i (sighs) mean they 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 put her on a pedestal in this movie which she deserves they're like it's you you're the lead you're the one you know
0: i'm gonna say this um I I spoke with Cody about this a little bit and, you know, we were talking about like, if we do like a wrap up episode for this whole season where we give like the death Holler awards, just in general. to like certain things, you know, like best slide that best slasher of them all, the best final girl, his argument would have been for Sydney Prescott. And I can see that, you know, she's the one that like, you know, ran with it. She's the survivor. She's the one that actually, you know, showed the PTSD effects, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that after this movie, I, I to me my favorite is is Nancy, Nancy. slash Heather. I think. Yeah. I mean, she. I mean, she's. I mean, self sacrificing. She. I mean. Uh, she's vulnerable when she needs to be, but at the end she still takes the power back. Like, I mean, she's the perfect final girl. Like even in the first night run Elm street, she's the one that devises like the home alone style traps for Freddie. Yeah. And up to that point, no other final girl had fought back quite the way she had. And she's the one that actually brought all the elements of a final girl together. And so I I honestly think Nancy, after this movie, became my favorite final girl of the ones that that we will probably review.
1: Yeah, I mean, she makes it seem more real. Like, Sydney, it was definitely real for Sydney because we're not talking about a supernatural per se, but you know Nancy had to deal with what she had to deal with and she had another element that Sydney didn't have uh in this movie specifically which is obviously what drew you back uh she had the fucking uh mama bear you know yes. in her uh, and there's there's nothing like it you know i mean there's a a husband that protects his wife and there's also a dad that protects his children but for some reason that mama bear uh fuck it cuz you don't it's you almost don't expect it you know
0: I, and I think that's why it's some, why she became my favorite just because I saw that in her. I'm like, I don't think any other final girl has been shown to, like, have the motherly inst- or protection that she has. Because even when it's revealed that Sydney has children, they're so far removed from the situation oh, yeah. that she never, she never taps into that no, at all. No, like, not
1: at all. You never And you never really – I don't know. I don't really feel like she's a mom. Because a mom yeah, you, wouldn't leave her children like that, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you all to protect this group of kids that I have no, like, link yeah. to whatsoever. And you might be motherless after this. No, I mean, like, really, Heather slash Nancy is the only one who has been to that point and, and, you know, and actually shown, like, the, the, the toughness and the fierceness that a mother, uh, with imperiled children can bring out. So, yeah. you know, but, uh, Robert was fine. I mean, he played it jokey and loose. I feel like that's how Robert is in real life, so it fit him. Uh, Wes was surprisingly good at at, at acting. I don't think he he was
1: acting. I am telling you now. (laughs) I don't think he—I feel like the only person acting in this movie was Heather. And, of course, the other side pieces that were in it. But, like, (laughs) I feel like Wes was legit—I feel like he legitimately had nightmares that caused him to, like, bring this back. I feel like Robert England really is that person. I mean like he, the way he like lovingly and fatherly puts an arm around her and is like they'd like to see us on screen together, you know? Like that is Robert England. That was not yeah, an actor. That's
0: true. And then Robert hmm. Shea, even though he he seems his his delivery is maybe not the best of anybody in the film it seems appropriate to robert shay it's like we're making a movie they love it it's like yeah yeah, that's you yeah that's what you do
1: yeah i don't (laughs) i i i think it was okay even if they are acting because obviously they are it is they're playing themselves
0: the only person who's a hybrid in a weird way would be John Saxon because I get the yeah f- I, he, you could tell he's acting, but at the same time, he must have had that relationship with Heather in real life because it was too natural. Like it, I mean, it was like you know, it was there. It, there was nothing. I mean, the the chemistry between them is like father and daughter, like or surrogates or whatever. Yeah. Like it was just too real. Like so, they must have had from the first film and like, or even the third film when he came back. They had to have had that relationship built up.
1: Yeah, Reverend, give me like a few seconds. I need to open up the window. It's like a boiler room in this fucking studio. Oh yeah,
0: I turned my AC on earlier. Oh my understand. god, give me a
1: second. <laughs> That was literally the worst. My window is open, and there's a fan on in here. <laughs> I just aimed the fan towards me because I was like, "What? It's so hot in here!" And whatever. Anyways,
0: um, back
1: to the podcast.
0: Uh, <laughs> one last thing I'm going to say about the acting on my side is that Miko Hughes was an amazing child oh, actor. I God. mean, yes. Yes, he's almost as annoying in this movie as the kid from the Babadook. I get that. He's ah. screaming a lot and all that stuff. But that's what the character needed to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and
1: he, it, was, it was pretty fucking genuine. <laughs> like, his scream episodes, they weren't <laughs> irritating to me because, like, the way he felt out of them wasn't just, I'm screaming because I was told to. It was like, <laughs> I'm screaming because I don't know what the fuck is going on.
0: Yeah, it's like, I mean, I I, I can't. I can't control this situation. I This is, I'm just overwhelmed and, like, I need, this is my only outlet is to scream, you know? Yeah,
1: and, oh, my God, uh, Heather, Heather as a mom in this film, The Hottest Mom, oh, my God, that poor kid. Um, <laughs> Her as a mom, she's just so naturally, she's a good actress because you can be a mom. That doesn't mean you can play a mom to some fucking strange-ass kid, you know? That's yeah. not really yours, and she, oh, my God. God, but I guess Robert England also, he, he's he's Freddy for the kids, you know? Um, I, I could see it with him like, being very nice to the children, but her just, like, it really felt like they were her mother and son, you know?
0: Yeah, you did feel a connection between them, and, well, even the, the actress who played Jill, like, I mean, the, she did a good job. Oh, at, she's like, a the, good the
1: babysitter, yeah. Yeah. I thought she was weird at first. Like, even my son was like, "Uh, she looks sus. And I'm like, "Mm, something's (laughs) not right. But we thought it was like she was going to turn into Freddie or something. And uh, that's not what happened. So, you know, nice turns, twists and turns here and there in this film, you know?
0: yeah i i i mean I was surprised I've heard for years that this film was like one of the best in the series and i, I for whatever reason I think it was because it was early 90s and like outside of like tremors like you know horror kind of died for a good chunk of the early 90s i mean there was there was Jacob ladder and a few other films but i mean like that it with that the horror that you grew up with in the 80s was dead for a good amount of time before scream brought it kind of back into the fold in 96 so i mean like this one I just skipped over and like never went back to it. And then like for years I kept hearing, it's like the story is so good in this. Like I like what they did with it, but it didn't have the Freddy I grew up with. So that's why I avoided it. But, and I, and I still feel that in this movie, like the one highlight of the movie is whenever Robert, you know, Robert himself comes on stage with, you know, Heather and, like, you know, plays Freddy. I'm yeah. Like, well, I like, okay. That gave me the nostalgia feels. I'm like, that's the Freddy that I know, you know. But, yeah. Uh,
1: um. It was, you know, the, there's two films in the franchise that gave me nightmares, and that's the original when I was a kid. And obviously this one now. And the the one very, I mean, I don't remember the nightmares. I just remember I had bad dreams as a kid uh you know that involved this but holy crap cuz these i I've, th- I've rewatched this twice in the past what month or two yeah <laughs> and uh yeah the the nightmares man they they were good they were movie they were movie worthy so uh that's kind of cool you know um i survived the nightmares clearly i'm here i think so i don't know i i and I would rewatch this again, and that is very rare for Lyurena.
0: Oh yeah, I would for sure rewatch this because I, I like what they did with it. I even like but some. Of the, I mean, there's just there, there. I love apocalyptic fiction, and uh, this had almost an apocalyptic yes. feel at times, like with the earthquakes that were going on. Yeah. And like, shoot – And she was always having the nightmares preceding them, which apparently is a real thing that sometimes, you know, that happens where, you know, people have like nightmares the night before some kind of major catastrophe happens, which is weird. Um, But yeah, like, I I like that whole feel because like they, all this stuff's going on in the background. It's almost like the world is collapsing around Heather and like, that's the way it's supposed to feel. Yeah. Well, and it literally
1: is because there was allegedly one big, big earthquake And then every other earthquake was just her. Like, no one, it was just happening in her house. And like, no one's, like, you know, the babysitter's like, oh, a big truck just drove by. And it's like, that wasn't a truck.
0: No. (laughs) And then they brought it back to the California thing, which is an interesting trip. I mean, oh, yeah.
1: Not Um, Ohio.
0: Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I, I enjoyed the movie. We've already talked about the music. I didn't feel like it was as uh, iconic, but I I think I know why Wes did that. Different times, also, he didn't want to necessarily. He wanted this to be, like, you got a little bit of that that film version of the score when the film parts were in the movie, but he was trying to show the reality versus, you know, the dream world or or film world. as Yeah. Order, so. Um, anything else you want to say about the movie before we move on to trivia and then the death holler awards,
1: I would just like to proclaim that I loved it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was, I, like I said, I was surprised I watched it and I'm like, I know why people love this movie. It's, it's, I mean, it's up there. I, I still think dream warriors is my favorite sequel, but this isn't a sequel, so yeah. it's almost its own thing. It I can't really, that's why I didn't, when we did the rankings, I didn't want to include this or the new one because they're not part of the original series, so no. they don't count. Yeah, you know? definitely. But as a horror movie, it's great um, for what it is. So, trivia. In this film, Freddy is depicted much closer to what Wes actually had planned for the character originally. Uh, Much more menacing, much less comical, with an updated attire and appearance. However, in 2015, before his death, he would admit he regretted changing his appearance and said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is why he kept Ghostface's mask the same in every Scream movie.
1: It wasn't terrible, because you got to remember he wanted to keep Robert England as an actor and Robert was tired of the six hour, eight hour, 12 hour makeup sessions, however long it took. I think it was four to six hours, but still that's a long time. And so they had to accommodate. I thought that it looked pretty good for what it was.
0: Yeah. Well, I like the the difference in it because it's not, it's not technically Freddie. It's something that's using Freddie because it likes to feed or, you know, like feed upon like the souls of children Freddy is basically that, you know, in in another version. So it it latched on, and that's why it took on his appearance. I mean, it made sense within the context of the story.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes, we love the original Freddy, and nothing's ever going to compare to that. But, again, we're talking about a new nightmare. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah. A a reimagined version, and I thought it worked great. So, you know, hope he's not uh, pouncing around in his grave worried about that. The fans still loved it.
0: Yeah, I mean it it's it's up there. I mean most of the fans uh, you know rate this one highly. Uh, The television show Appearance was inspired by Real Encounter. According to Wes, Robert and I did an appearance together on public television in San Francisco. It was about whether this kind of movie was bad for children or not. There were parents in the audience and then kids. All of the kids leaped to their feet and started chanting, Freddy, (laughs) Freddy, Freddy. I remember looking at the show's host and the parents and they all looked horrified.
1: Uh, I love it. These, These are the kids. These are the kids that don't get up in the middle of the night and fucking like, I had a nightmare. They will tell you in the morning, mom, I had the weirdest dream. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds horrific. Uh,
0: the events in this film re- revolve around Heather Langenkamp having a stalker in real life. She oh, did shit. have a stalker and Wes Craven got permission to uh, for to weave that into the story.
1: How very progressive of him to one, get, you know, consent from yeah. her uh, and. <laughs> A poor girl, but can you, like you and I, would stalk her if we saw? <laughs> if we fucking stalk. Well,
0: I kind of get the feeling though that Wes had a progressive bent to him in that sense, anyways. Because I mean that his. Like I said, Nancy is probably one of the, to me, especially, the best final girl. And that's because he empowered her so much versus all the other ones that came. And that was early in the 80s that he did that. And he empowered
1: her without making her a Mary Sue.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, she earned every bit of her, like, power at the end of the movie. Like, it was all through her struggles. It wasn't, like... Ray Skywalker, which that's ridiculous that she has that last name, but we'll not get into Star Wars.
1: Like she gave it to herself, that doesn't count. Okay, <laughs> you either have to pay in the courts <laughs> to get it changed, uh, by via marriage or via I don't know some other thing, and she didn't get that. So
0: that's like if you're a guy and you take and you and you have the nickname Ace, and somebody asks you, "Oh, who gave you that?" Oh, I gave it to myself. It's like that's bullshit. You don't give yourself nicknames. No, it's, uh, other people give them to you so that's that doesn't count uh craven uh had intended to ask johnny depp to make an appearance as himself in the funeral scene uh craven never worked up the courage to ask him but after the film's release they ran into each other craven asked depp if he would have made an appearance in the movie and depp said that he would, would have and then Cra- uh, craven should have asked him oh you know,
1: <laughs> fucking missed opportunities why
0: that would have been great if he had been
1: at that funeral Dude, scene. I'm not that would have been lie. sick. It was like, it was it because, like I said, this felt real. So it was sad. Like I was super sad during the funeral scene. I was like, oh look at there's there's West. Oh look it, there's you know Robert. Uh, it, it was.
0: If you look in the background of that scene, they brought a lot of the previous actors and actresses back from the first film. Yeah, uh, the actress that plays Tina is in that scene too. Like, yeah, she, there's a bunch of them in that.
1: I, it was. The reimagination was awesome.
0: <laughs> this film has no opening titles to blur the illusion of whether it's a film, a documentary, or something else altogether. That's kind of neat.
1: Wait, uh, say that again.
0: This film has no opening titles to blur the illusion. Yeah. of whether it's a film, a documentary, or something else altogether.
1: You know that's funny because uh, we have it in our library as because um, we have our digital library and Noah has it labeled as uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Seven. Uh, nothing else. And I was waiting to see if this was the movie that I was supposed to be watching. And once it kind of opened up and, I mean, immediately you you see her and I'm like, oh, yep, this is it. (laughs) It's like, but it was, that's fucking sick, dude.
0: I think in my Plex account, it's labeled as a new nightmare or a new nightmare or something like that. But it's, it's Wes Craven's new new nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that some, I went in there maybe added like the emphasis on new nightmare so that it like linked up, you know, in the same area where it kept all the nightmare films together. Yeah. Because I couldn't, couldn't stand it being listed. Oh, yeah. And then I'd have to, you know, look at it. So that way uh this let's uh, see this is the first and as of 2023 only movie in the a nightmare on elm street franchise that doesn't have opening credits
1: oh wow i didn't even realize that it just you know it kind of just gets right to business and you know that's how i love it
0: <laughs> yeah it's it, it goes right into like i said that that whole scene is beginning where the glove is like killing the fx guys i mean that it it, it tells you right from the start what you're getting. I mean, you think you're you're in a Freddy movie again. The way that it starts filming because Freddy's making the glove, but then they yell cut, and then the glove actually kills the people. It's the perfect like you know blend of the two to like, get that meta narrative going. Uh, Robert has said that this is his favorite movie of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which I feel like he said about several other ones. But it yeah. probably depends on the day of the week that he what True. he says. Along with Freddy's makeup being his favorite look. Makeup? Was prob- it makeup? Um, well, they have to apply some stuff to him. I mean, they put the mask on, and they probably have to, like, dab some stuff around his eyes. Yeah. Kinda, you know, and then, like, the contact lenses and that sort yeah, of thing, okay. So, Yeah, uh, okay. But he probably, I mean, like, they probably had this thing down to, like, a two- or three-hour thing, which for him was, like, heaven compared to what he was used to before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the basic premise of the film, Freddie invading the real world and haunting the actors and crew responsible for A Nightmare on Elm Street, was originally intended to be used for A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 The Dream Warriors. Uh, it was inspired by the return to Horror High in 87, but the idea was rejected by the studio at the time that they made that. Uh, all of the earthquake sequences of the film were actually filmed one month prior to the Los Angeles quake of 94. I was wondering. <laughs> The real quake struck only two weeks before the end of filming. Subsequently, a unit was sent out to film drive-by footage of actual quake-damaged areas of the city before the end of filming. Uh, The cast and crew believe that the earthquake scenes that were filmed before the real quake struck were uh, perhaps a bit overdone, but when they viewed the real quake, uh, they were all frightened by the realism of what they'd actually captured on film beforehand. So Uh... they they thought that they were going overboard with the earthquake scenes, and then when they saw what an actual big quake could do they're like oh shit we kind of got it nailed on the head on this one
1: yeah you know what's funny is when i was thinking about it last night um i was like oh wait a second wasn't this around the time i was supposed to go to disneyland when the earthquake hit <laughs> uh we didn't go because the earthquake hit but that being said i remember it was around this time and um so when i was watching the movie i was like, god i wonder if this is actual footage from the earthquake, like, did the earthquake happen and they just hadn't fixed it yet? Because I know in the movie they're kind of in the process of trying to figure out what they're going to do. You could kind of see that they're trying to work on it. So I was like, it's possible that this was right around the time. I didn't realize it was that fucking close, and I didn't realize it was after they had done those scenes. That's fucking insane.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, what is it, real-life imitating art at Do that you point? see
1: why I think Wes wasn't acting? I really <laughs> think this script was based off his fucking nightmares.
0: Well, maybe he was having nightmares that were pre, uh, you know, preempting the the quake because yeah. that's the you know that's what he based it off of. Uh, in the opening or the ending credits, Freddy Krueger's credit is as himself, even though Robert Englund reprises the role. That's kind okay. of a neat little thing. I love that
1: there. Freddy Krueger as himself. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
0: Uh, before making this movie, Wes uh, watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. By the time he was finished, he claimed that he could not follow the storyline at all. He regarded the sequels to be weak compared to his original masterpiece.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> they are, uh, although three is good for what it is, but it's still not up to the snuff with part one. Uh, Miko Hughes has kept his sewn-up Rex dinosaur since Aww. filming. Uh, Wes Craven had an original copy without the scars.
1: I loved Rex. Rex was definitely his own character in this film. He was a hero. <laughs> yeah. He was like the dog that died, you know, but he wasn't. He's a stuffy.
0: Yeah, he he was the good boy of the movie. Yeah, Rex is a
1: certified good boy.
0: Uh, Wes Craven's daughter, Jessica, appears as a nurse in the film. Uh, In reality, uh, I wonder if that's the same daughter, by the way, that had him cast Johnny Depp, the one that was like, Oh, yeah, he's dreamy. (laughs) In reality, Heather Langencap's real husband, David Leroy Anderson, is a special effects man as he is in the film. So it's kind of cool that they tied that in.
1: Yeah. Ah, he just Uh, declined to play himself.
0: Yeah, David declined to play himself. Uh, Heather and David had a son named Daniel, born in 91, serving as the basis of the film's Heather's family. Tragically, (gasps) though, Daniel died at the age of 26 as a result of a brain tumor.
1: Well, at least he wasn't a baby, but still, that's fucking hard.
0: Yeah, that that has to be rough on uh, her especially. I mean, both of them, but I mean, you know, the mother losing her son like that. Oh, God.
1: I can't imagine. Uh,
0: The large rocket ship used in the park scene... uh, uh, went into Miko Hughes' background or backyard after his father bought it. Wow. So I, guess, I guess he was like, well, my son likes this. We're going to buy it for him. That's fucking insane. <laughs> Uh, the bioengineered hand and glove that Freddie uses in this film, as opposed to the glove used in the prior movies is actually derived from the artwork of the theatrical poster and video box covers of the original nightmare on Elm street. If you look at the original posters, they have that bone effect on his glove, even though, because remember what we were saying about those, they would make the covers for the movies, the posters way before the movie was even sometimes before the movie was even, you know, the concept of it was even, you know, thought out. So they they went back and I think that's a nice tie, nice tie into the original film that they worked that back in.
1: I love it. Uh,
0: th- this is for Noah. The working title for the film was "The Not Run Out Seven: The Ascension."
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: He should label it that. I he know. should relabel it.
1: The Ascension. Uh,
0: However, producer Robert Shafield, he <laughs> didn't want the audience to see this as another tired sequel to the series and wanted it to stand on its own feet. So much so that the trailers and TV spots never showed Freddie's face on screen until after its release. Smart. Yeah. That's smert. smart. Uh After around, uh, at around one hour and 14 minutes, Heather's asked if she has uh, a past, which she replies, screw your past. This is taken directly from Nightmare on Street 84 when she says it to the teacher in the movie. Oh my God. Film. Lynn Shea, who played that teacher, by the way, also appears as a nurse in this movie. Um, so, uh, Robert Shea employing his sister in movies is a pretty common occurrence. Well,
1: if, you're, there, if you're related <laughs> to Robert Shea, you have a job for life. <laughs>
0: Basically. Uh, to her credit, though, Lynn Shea's not a bad actor. Uh, so, there, I mean, she done pretty good in the uh, um, Insidious movies. So, Yeah. Uh, there was a scene in the script that depicted at Robert England, a Robert England, uh, Freddie nightmare. The nightmare had Robert stuck in a spider like web and Freddie was a giant spider described as a giant black widow with a red symbol under the belly, having red and green stripes. However, this was dropped because it didn't fit with the film's overall tone, but according to England, it was due to budget issues. So that's the scene we were missing. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: He would have probably been killed in that scene by the spider uh, Freddy, which would have been cool because the movie did need a little bit more like special effects, I mean, in that sense. And that would have explained why he was no longer in the movie after that point.
1: Get more money, you fucks. (laughs) That would have been sick.
0: All the money that, yeah, all the money they made on all the previous movies, and Robert Shea couldn't afford at, you know, to finance that. That's do we kind of a ever get thing. a
1: Robert England Freddy scene like with the two of them on one fucking screen together? Has that mm, ever happened? No. Fucking bullshit. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this would have been the movie to do it.
1: So. Ugh, I'm so mad now. <laughs>
0: Uh, David Newsom said he felt like a dork playing a special effects tech because he was so clean cut and nicely dressed when all the real special effects techs around him were in jeans, t-shirts, and had beards.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but whatevs.
0: Uh, Dr. Hefner is a nod to Richard Hefner, uh, head of the MPAA and a bane of Wes Craven's filmmaking career. There's your little tip folks. If you hate somebody, make them a character in your movies. Uh, Wes had already done this with the fact that Freddy Krueger was the name of a kid that bullied him as a, as, as a child. Uh, just like Sean Cunningham. Well, no, it was actually Vic Miller who wrote Friday the 13th, hated a kid named Jason as a, as a child and, and made so Dr. Hefner is a fuck you to Richard Hefner who uh, was like, you can't put that in the movie. It's a little too dark for children. It's like this movie isn't for children. But it's they like, made I don't them care. like
1: undefeatable, <laughs> like characters. They're like the ultimate bully. That's, <laughs> I don't, uh, whatever. I mean, if that works for you, but I'm like, I would have made them some like weak ass bitch that gets killed off super easily, you know?
0: Well, yeah, that's true. If you really want to work uh, your hatred in there to it. Yeah. But, um at around one hour, the scene where Heather is dialing Robert England's house number on the phone in her car, the music tones that are played when she presses the buttons is the same as the Night on Elm Street theme. So that's a neat little tie. I didn't know Robert, that. Robert <clears throat> England's house phone number uh, in the movie is the the do do you know like the little theme from Night on Elm Street.
1: Fucking shit! I didn't <laughs> even catch that. And I rewatched this last night.
0: At around one hour and 24 minutes during the freeway scene, when Heather ducks for the tractor trailer to go over her, this was done with a green screen. It took around 100 takes to get the shot right. The next day, Heather Langenkamp couldn't walk because Uh, she was so sore from doing the takes.
1: Squats, bitch. (laughs) Clearly you've been doing them because I saw those legs and that butt.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, she, I I don't know, I'm surprised that, maybe she wasn't used to that many at all at one time, though. Maybe that's what it was. I guess. Uh, Cuts and slashes are a running motif in the film, as well as the clear cracks in the wall like a Freddy's slash. I love that. Yeah, I thought that was a cool little neat effect. Uh, There's also a claw-shaped logo on the first news reports of the earthquake, and the special effects firm is called Cut to the Chase FX.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Uh, in the original draft west Dra- uh, craven was uh, originally supposed to be on the run from freddie by riding around in a van driven by michael berryman both were supposed to be sleep deprived uh but craven couldn't uh, would have cut his eyelids uh while writing the script as he struggles to stay awake now that would have been
1: that's dark and cool yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, Wes Craven tried, and I, th- I love the fact that Michael Berryman was the one driving him around because him and Michael Berryman have the career uh, connection that goes all the way back to last or to uh, the Hills of Ice. So, I mean, that would have been great. Yeah. <clears throat> Craven tried to get a real reaction from Miko Hughes to actually cry to do this. His mother would leave the set and his father would whisper in his ear, your mother's dead. And if he acted well for the take, his reward was a happy meal. Jesus Christ. I put the notes in here, what the fuck. Like, I mean, this is your fucking father telling you as a child your mother died when she would leave the set to get you to cry. Like, Miko Hughes has to have some kind of weird trauma. Childhood
1: trauma. Um, Well, money talks, Reverend, and uh, them paychecks ain't going to make themselves, you know.
0: They gave him a fucking Happy Meal for that, for God's sakes. Like, I mean, they now, to be fair, they did buy him the rocket ship, but still, I mean. Yeah, he got
1: more than a Happy Meal. Calm down. He's just going to, like, <laughs> he would look at that rocket ship like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> he didn't even play in it. He was, like, just crying, like, staring at it while he's eating his chicken nuggets.
0: <laughs> they were probably shaped like dinosaurs. Yeah. Like rats <laughs> or something from the movie.
1: They do have dino nuggets. <clears throat>
0: The clothes worn by Heather Langenkamp and John Saxon towards the end of the film are similar to the clothes that they wore in the original film. I
1: noticed that for sure. She definitely had the piamas on.
0: Yeah. Uh, In the original 1984 film, Nancy's mom drives a Volvo station wagon. In this film, Heather drives a Volvo station wagon. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a neat connection. You see it in the
1: script, too. It's like Heather and the Volvo, you know, and it's like (laughs) you could have just said car
0: that's something we didn't discuss i love the fact that she's reading the actual script of the movie that she's actually oh my in. god
1: i fucking loved that too uh
0: i feel like there's other movies that have done that like i think scary movie did that at one point didn't they to try to figure out who the killer was like they oh, read yeah. the script and read it uh that might have been a commentary on this movie or something i don't know but uh this is the only film in the Fr- Nightmare franchise to feature orchestral music during the closing credits rather than electronical score like all the other films. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Including Freddy versus Jason in 2003 and the remake uh, in 2010. Uh the name Dylan is clearly spoken a whopping 103 yes. times. Oh my
1: god, do we hear that name so much?
0: <laughs> Most of the time it's uh Heather saying that, so um, at one hour and 52 minutes, this is the longest film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. But honestly, uh, it, it didn't feel as long as part six to me. I mean, be honest. Yeah. And
1: like, usually that would be a snooze fest for me. It was not a snooze fest. I was trying not to go to sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at three appearances, Heather Langenkamp has played the protagonist in the series more times than anyone else. However, none of her appearances have been consecutive.
1: Yeah, true, but it works.
0: Uh, at around 35 minutes when Heather, uh, vomited in the morgue, she was spitting up a combination Ugh. of clam chowder and bean soup.
1: Fucking disgusting. Ugh, move on. I'm not, I don't like this.
0: The same picture of the character Nancy, uh, appears in both a night run on Elm street and Wes Craven's new nightmare. For the original film, you can see the picture on the desk of Nancy's dad at the police station in *West Craven's new nightmare. The picture is seen on the shelf in Craven's home when Nancy or when Heather visits him. Um, Speaking of the like the clam chowder and stuff, I did like the fact that they tied back to the first movie in the sense that they had her trying to walk up steps that were made out of like some sticky, like oatmeal, like substance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That That was was a neat callback.
1: I loved that.
0: Uh, The credits call Robert England's wife uh, Patrice. In real life, his wife is Nancy Booth. So they a little bit of a change there, but you know,
1: who the fuck is Patrice?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's probably what his wife was saying. It's like, who the fuck is that?
1: Is this bitch?
0: Uh Miko Hughes has a father that works in special effects. In real life, his father uh, uh and and I mean, so like it's ba- in the movie he's got one that works yeah. that way, and in the real life it's he's got a father yeah. in special effects. That's kinda neat.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's how they got their kid into <laughs> acting, probably.
0: Yeah, probably. Um The Only Nightmare on Elm Street film did not take place at least partially in the fictional town of Springwood, Ohio. Well, I don't even think it's mentioned in the movie, to be honest. Uh, here's something that's kicking the ass. Why Nona Ryder and Drew Barrymore are both considered for the role of Julie. Both actresses turned it down prior to commit, uh, due to commitments with other projects. Ryder had previously auditioned for the role of Kristen in Not run on street three and Wes Craven would later direct Barrymore in scream in that's 96. So funny. Uh, at around 21 minutes, the book, the nightmare never ends by Andy Mangels can be seen on Robert Shay's desk. Uh, a little bit of meta commentary there. Yeah. Uh, When Robert tells Heather the fans would like to see them together again, she responds in what a romantic comedy in which he responds, uh, it can't have a decapitation or two. England starred in the Phantom of the Opera in 89, which is a tragic love story, although Lane Camp doesn't co-star, and it does have a decapitation or two. So that's what that was referencing. Shut up.
1: (laughs) Fucking love it.
0: In Fangoria magazine, Robert England pointed out that Wes Craven's documentary style on the new Nightmare forced him, as well as the other actors, to take a different approach. I was all set to play Freddy in a fairly predictable way, but Wes came to me early in the filming and reminded me that this is a different kind of Freddy, and that I could grunt, growl, groan, scream, and talk if I wanted to.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a new nightmare, duh. <laughs>
0: Uh, the scene where Freddy tries to swallow Dylan Hole is similar to the scene in Part 3 of The Dream Warriors where the Freddy Snake tries to swallow Kristen Hole. Yeah. Uh, w. Earl Brown plays the morgue attendant in the scene where Heather pukes. Uh, he also reappears two years later as Kenny the cameraman in Scream, Oh, my God. The- the one that Gail Weathers gets killed because she's a fucking bitch. Uh, bitch. Uh, during the, I would like to, now, now that I say that, I want to see Freddie call Gail Weathers a bitch. Oh, I that would see be this.
1: sick. <laughs> we want to see a crossover.
0: Yeah. Even if it's just Robert England dressed yeah. up as Freddie, who likes calling her that, that'd be hilarious. Uh, during the talk show scene, uh, Freddie's makeup was actually a repainted version of the makeup shown in Nightmare on the Street, the Dream Child.
1: Okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: According to Wes Craven's biography, he stated if he didn't do a new nightmare, New Line would have pushed for a Freddie Jason crossover instead. I think that was a card they were going to play if they didn't. They couldn't get me back for this one. Uh, oh, sorry, Wes. They ended up making that movie
1: anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hate, hate to say it.
0: Uh, I, it's fun for what it is, but we'll get to that when we cover that in the, the Friday the 13th series. Um, Lynn Shea, the Nurse with Pills, and W.R.L. Brown uh, later co-starred in 1998, There's Something About Mary, which is hilarious. Wasn't she Lynn in she-
1: Kingpin as well? Uh, she, was yes, she was the
0: landlord? The one that did the tongue through her fingers maneuver, yeah. Yeah. She plays a, a a cracked out lady, and some, there's something about Mary her and that damn poodle that she has. Oh or yeah, that dog is. Uh, ideas of making a seventh Nightmare movie began in '92, a year after Freddy's Dead was released. So they told you they was going to kill Freddy for good, and then they just a year later they're like, "Yeah, we got to bring this fucker back. We got to make some
1: more money." J.K. Uh,
0: Angelina Jolie was actually considered for the role of Julie as well. The babysitter. Yes.
1: Um. No. One, I ain't having no fucking hot ass. Ba- okay, <laughs> that was hot Angelina Jolie back then. Okay, yes, which was. would very much definitely in the, in the looks department, her and Heather would be battling it. No way. I don't care if this is a movie or not. Am I going to have a fucking hot little fucking cute babysitter, which I guess technically the girl who played Julie was. But not, like Angelina Jolie is like creepy hot.
0: Yeah, she's, I mean, I don't know so much. I've not looked in, like, you know, a few years to see how how she's aged. But, like, at one point in time, she was, like, alien, supernatural hot. Oh, my God. I mean, it was, like, there was a period there where it's, like, she can't exist, right? This isn't, like, a thing. This is, like, all, like, Airbrush nonsense this isn't a person
1: oh my god yeah I have to agree with you on that I think it's like kind of like what Megan Fox is kind of going for but she's just getting a little too weird with it now
0: yeah, yeah, she's she's going for that and I think that she hit her peak probably with Jennifer's body, which we will cover at one point cuz I love that. We both love that movie. But uh yeah, she, I think she kind of like crossed over the line whereas, you know, Angelina Jolie stopped what I, I don't even know if she even had to have work a lot of work done to get where she was at. Which is a weird thing when you see her fa- who her father was, John Voight. Oh yeah. Uh, Mm, I mean, she got all of her looks from her mama. That's all I can Definitely, say. Definitely,
1: yeah. She, <laughs> she does look like her mom, especially in her older years. She's starting to look more like her mom. Her mom wasn't ugly, so... You yeah, know?
0: her her mom was like a model at one point in time. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, died tragically young, though. She was. I got like a. I, I don't know. It was some kind of cancer. I don't know if it was a brain tumor or something like that. But I read that her mom died when she was like just a like a kid or something, which is terrible.
1: Breast cancer, uh, <laughs> in which Angelina Jolie actually got a double mastectomy. And that is
0: true. That's what it was. Yes, yeah.
1: and she has a she has a Tupperware titties now. But you mm. know, with the, with the cause, I I would absolutely do the same thing
0: yeah um yeah she wouldn't have fit the role julie you're right like julie wasn't an, untru- an attractive actress that played that part but she looked she looked like you a person you could see as being a babysitter like yes. and julie would have like walked in there it's like where'd this model come from why yeah. is she uh, that's not the part you put her in so.
1: i would definitely not have her and my husband in the same room
0: <laughs>
1: that would be only when he was out of town you're not meeting the babysitter <laughs>
0: Uh, on the DVD commentary, Wes Craven explained that in the hospital scene, when Dylan vomits black slime at Heather, (gasps) there were more scenes filmed with Dylan's eyes turned solid blood red with 3000 flies coming out of his mouth, filling the whole room with a screeching growl. He himself wasn't sure why it was never used in the movie.
1: A budget maybe.
0: Maybe that would have been cool to see though.
1: Would it have? Let's think about this for a minute. CGI 1994.
0: Mm. well would they have used cgi for the flies though i hope not there was i mean i'm pretty sure that it was this series that released a bunch of tarantulas that were never recovered in one of the you know (laughs) the look of freddy's design has a similar resemblance to nosferatu from 22 Uh, he does have kind of the that vampire look yeah he does uh, Tracy Middendorf uh, received an introdu- introducing credit for her film debut as Julie the Babysitter, much like Johnny Depp was introduced in the original Nightmare as Glenn. Uh, also in, in Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors was the film debut of both Patricia Arquette and Jennifer Rubin. So yeah. a lot of f- firsts in these series. Uh, they got lucky too. A lot of these actors and actresses went on to be like big major names. Yeah. Like, I mean, so they, they, they got them at a good time. Uh, the death of Heather's husband largely came about due to concerns that Freddie simply wasn't killing enough people in the screenplay.
1: Wow. That's <laughs> off her husband. Yeah, we, we need to
0: kill somebody. Let's just kill her husband. Uh, after he- Heather makes the decision to play Nancy, the version of the house she enters has a blue door, like I said, like in the original. All the other sequels had a red door.
1: I like the red door <laughs> more than the blue, but I, do, I get it. It's, it's from the original.
0: Well, but the red door signifies danger, too, which yeah. I, I, I like better than the blue. I don't know. I, I, I think that's the one thing that Wes, I, if he doesn't acknowledge that the red door is a better fit, which he obviously didn't because he went back to the original look. It, it's kind of, I don't know. I, that's sour grapes a little bit, in my opinion, because it yeah. makes more sense. Uh, at around one hour and 40 minutes in the final scene, where Dylan stabs Freddie's tongue outside the oven. You can hear the famous psycho shower scene music.
1: Oh, I didn't, <laughs> I did not catch I, that.
0: I, I didn't catch it either.
1: Like I was in the moment. Okay. Like this, it was getting good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they were, they were hinting back to Hansel, uh, Hansel and Gretel, however you want to say it, and then they, they had the tongue back, you know. Which, by the way, there was a scene where, again, in this movie, I, don't, I think I might have it in here at some point, but they have the scene in this where Heather goes to answer the phone and the Freddy tongue comes out and looks oh, her, her mouth again. that's so. fucking
1: disgusting. I was like, me and the kid, the kids were dying laughing because I was so irked out. You know, I was like, <laughs> fucking Freddy and his fucking tongue. <laughs> and then my son's like mom imagine if you were on your phone and that happened i was like i don't want to thank you
0: yeah that's that's nasty uh the climactic tongue scene actually took two days to film
1: <laughs> the climactic tongue scene
0: that's a good way to word that, right? Uh, it, no, no, no connotation there innuendo uh, yeah <laughs> trace I can't think of I can't hear innuendo without thinking of that uh bloodhound gang song innuendo Nintendo that oh I always God. think of uh Tracy middendorf's death scene was shot in a rotating room like Tina's in the original film uh the scenes of chase's body in the morgue had to be necessarily brief as days David Newsom's pulse was clearly visible on his neck
1: oh I didn't even think about that
0: I mean that it's kind of weird though like I mean like how strong is his heartbeat that, like, you're seeing it, like, pulse in is, I don't know, whatever, but it, it's, it was a thing, so they had to cut, cut Yeah. Uh, Freddie's death in this film is similar to his original death when he was burned alive by a group of vigilante parents. Yeah. This is the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie where Freddie does not kill any teenagers. Every character killed in this movie is an adult. Oh, that yeah. Is, that, is, that is true. Uh, Tuesday night is actually in this movie at around 36 minutes. She can be seen at Chase's funeral scene. Oh, wow. As as well as Jesus Garcia, who uh, is at this funeral scene uh, in a Nightmare on Street Nine Eighty Four, the movie that Nancy watches on television to try to stay awake is The Evil Dead. And <laughs> this film, is she's watching a Nightmare on Elm Street from the, the original film from eighty four, um, kind of playing back on itself at that point. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was mistaken. Amanda Weiss, who played the first victim, Tina, in the original film, was actually approached to be in this per, uh, before production began. However, she passed after stating a podcast interview that she was offered very low salary. So Uh-oh. she wasn't at the funeral scene because they wouldn't give her enough money.
1: Okay, but you're literally just at a funeral scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, they might have been offering her like a bigger part. Maybe she would have been like Nancy's friend in the movie or Heather's friend in the movie. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, didn't happen. So it don't matter. And finally, when Dylan crosses traffic, which is funny, given the fact of what other movie he was in. Oh you know, yeah. Pet cemetery. <clears throat> Freddie was supposed to drive a car called the Freddie mobile with oh, four geez. giant razor blades on the front, kicking off sparks and was going to try to run the little boy down, <laughs> which is hilarious. Given the fact that's what happens in pet cemetery. Uh, the Freddie mobile was cut for being too expensive to make.
1: It, well, yeah.
0: I think I would, I don't know. I don't know what would have been goofier. The Freddy mobile, but it would have seemed classic or the, him just appearing in the sky. And I, I, I didn't like the way that he did in, uh, appear in the sky, but at the yeah. same time, the Freddy mobile would have been a bit much too. So I well,
1: don't know. Here's what I suggest. Let's cut the 50 fucking Freddy's. Staring at the kid for no reason at all. And the Sky Freddy, because I didn't like the Sky Freddy too. Those clouds, fucking ghetto. You know what that reminded me of? That <laughs> reminds me of those fucking Mexican funerals where you put it, fucking get the dead person and you put them in the fucking ghetto ass clouds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, the one where they're sitting there and they're smiling and then you're playing some kind of music behind yeah. them or whatever. Yeah. No,
1: don't, don't, no, don't do that. Don't put me in those ghetto-ass clouds. Don't put Freddie in those ghetto-ass clouds. And let's get the Freddy mobile. I would have rather have seen that. Kind of reminds me of, like, Goosebumps. You know, the, like, um, God, it's, it, I want to say it was one of the carnivals or something and Goosebumps and it had that scary-looking vehicle
0: uh good i don't know that i ever saw that or monster land game.
1: or something like that oh I
0: like, okay I- yeah yeah i know the one you're talking about I, I i read the book i didn't actually see any of the the series or anything about it so yeah.
1: anyways that's what i was thinking <clears throat> of
0: death hall awards
1: oh boy here <laughs> we go
0: Final girl. I I've I already said it. I, I she's officially after this movie. Heather Langenkamp is my favorite final girl. Yeah. Period.
1: Uh, she's the ultimate in this. Uh, she's definitely the reigning queen. Uh, I mean, it's hard because we do have you know uh, what's her name, um,
0: Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode.
1: <laughs> like, but that's coming up. We haven't reviewed that yet. But still,
0: I've seen those movies. I, I'm telling you right now. I mean, it's uh, Laurie Strode doesn't. I mean, they go back to the well too many times with her, and she doesn't really advance much as far as her. How they give her some PTSD in the new series, but then that new series runs off the rails. So I mean, yeah. it, it, it taints the whole thing. And
1: clearly, Lori Strode is dealing with the supernatural. So yeah, it's yeah, oh God, it's Heather, and she's so hot.
0: Oh, uh, that's I mean, I, you know what? What is it? Uh, the hot pass that, that Mike, you know, on yeah, Iron man, always. I mean. She, Heather gets it. I mean, somebody who can consistently get more gorgeous as as she ages, I mean.
1: And, like, there was scenes where she had, like, because you always have makeup on in films. You're never not wearing makeup. I get it. But, like, there's scenes where they made her look like she wasn't wearing makeup. And I'm like, God damn.
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i just i when when she's getting ready to go out the door there after she talks to her husband and she's got that that tight black dress on i'm just like oh my god and like, she woke
1: I'd, up like that
0: yeah. her hair looked
1: like that when she woke up i was like you slut
0: <laughs> uh it, it makes you even more angry when she you go back and she's like i was old i was like 20 or whatever she says in the original
1: movie yeah
0: it's like okay, I it's I can forgive you now because, honey, you you don't age like you yeah just don't or when you actually you do but you 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 glow up instead of getting yeah to you glow up. Uh, Slash or demon Freddy. I he's good for what he is, but I I still prefer regular Freddy. I do
1: yeah. I, uh, I think the only reason it works is because Robert England was in here playing his goofy self. You know.
0: Yeah, he he didn't interject his personality like he started to do in the in the last little bit yeah. of the original series. That's going to be a, a thing of contention in the next movie too when we cover it. Which I mean, you know, it's uh, when we cover the remake because, um, I it's however you want to fall. If you want the 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 killer who has you know no uh charisma to him whatsoever he's just out to do his thing because i don't feel like demon freddy had any charisma to him either really yeah and then or you prefer the original you know like jokester charismatic like uh all, you almost root for him even though he's like when you start looking at how what freddy actually does and how he is like he's the most horrific like of the slashers and uh, in, in concept he's killing kids first of all he torture he he doesn't just kill him he plays around with him yeah. before he kills them. And then, it's heavily hinted that he was also a child molester. Even in the original series, it's hinted that because yeah. every time that he looks at Nancy, he said, "You know, like he's always making or any of the other final girls, to be honest, but especially Nancy, he's always making sexual in, innuendos." So it's like, I mean, he's <laughs> oh, do you actually,
1: blame him? I'm just kidding. Uh,
0: well, no, not after this film, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, like he's. He's a terrible, terrible, like, I mean, Jason, you can, you can root for him to a certain degree because they killed his mom and like, yeah, his mom was a psycho, but I mean, he loved his mother and even, you know, and whatever. I mean, there, there's something, a little bit of sympathetic, you know, connotation there to Jason. And he was a retard when he was a kid, you kind of got to give him a pass for how he acts freddie there's no i mean like you wrote for him and then you get to looking at what what he is and you're like why the fuck am i rooting for this guy like i know he's awful like
1: <laughs> fucking robert it's robert's fault
0: <laughs> it is because he's too charismatic. Uh and that that's the reason I don't like Demon Freddy because none of his own personal charisma gets to come through. It's, it's a choice and I understand it. I just don't like Demon Freddy as well as the original. Yeah. Uh best kill is probably Julie just cuz I like how it oh, the, yeah. the rotating room stuff. It's and it's the best in it's the best uh effects scene in the movie too.
1: Yeah, um, and I don't have anything to I don't have anything to challenge that. To be honest with you,
0: I mean all the rest of them are pretty much just slash and you're done. I mean that's the majority of them. So yeah,
1: and I didn't. They were they were pretty basic, bitch.
0: Yeah, nothing. I mean they nothing that would stand out even more than like something like prom night that we covered where it's literally just people getting stabbed oh over my and over God. again. Uh, best scream. It's either Julie or Heather. It's a toss up because there's a really good scream from scream from Julie, but Heather has, I mean, that's another reason she's a great final girl. Heather can scream really well. Like, I mean, when she needs to, uh,
1: for me, it was Dylan.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, he does have that. I don't want to say autistic, but it almost has that vibe to it. Like, you know, like, uh, just like the kid from the Babadook. It's like, I mean, it's like, shut the fuck up. You're killing me, you know?
1: I liked it because <laughs> the screams were, it, they 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 were kind of shocking. But it, it, this kid did so good. Like I said, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm screaming because I was told to. He looked like he had some shit going on. So I liked it.
0: Yeah, he did a good job with acting on that. Uh, can't give it a best boobs. Uh, Ooh. And I'm really upset over that because, hmm, Heather, jeez. Yeah. But we, but we get to see some good leg shots. So oh, my God. Go. And
1: she's got some <laughs> legs. Like, it's weird because she's she's thin, but she's got thick legs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, you fucking <laughs> whore. I hate you.
0: Uh, best meta reference is the creepy limo driver going yes. on about Freddie while uh, ogling Heather, which, I mean, I can't blame him for that. Oh, I mean, no, I, yeah. You know? But, I mean, it's hilarious that, I mean, because you know that that has to happen in real life. You oh, know, yeah. People sitting there, and they're looking, Heather Camp over top to bottom, uh, you know, doing that thing. But at the same time, it's like, do you know Robert? How's Robert behind the scenes? Yeah. He's so cool. And she's like, I'm fucking right here, and you're eye-fucking me at the same time. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> that, had to, that had to have been her adding that to the to the plot of the movie. Uh, best callback to Nightmare on Elm Street 1, to me, it's that tongue through the phone. Yeah. Like, so gross, but you know,
1: oh, Frederick, uh,
0: the uh, soupy Stairs is a second, uh, best yeah, callback. I, I love that effect.
1: That was cool. Uh,
0: best side character, hands down, John Saxton. Man, oh, yeah, I love him in this movie. Like, he, I, I love the relationship in this movie. Like, we said,
1: I thought it was uh, so weird though, when he did switch into dad mode, and I'm like, is it's it was so weird because now I couldn't, you know differentiate reality from the movie.
0: Yeah, but that's like, why it's so good. I it's so know. fucking good. I
1: was like, is this really <laughs> happening? Is he crazy too, or is she just batshit crazy by herself? Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, Franklin Award, I'm giving it to Dylan. He's not as annoying as the kid in the Babadook, but goddamn. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and his name, 103 times in the movie. Oh,
1: I got Dylan, Dylan, Dylan's like, shut up.
0: Now- how annoying is the Doom Prophet? Now, I'm I'm torn on this because I don't know who the Doom Prophet is. I thought whenever I was typing this out, it was Heather. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's almost Wes. Because Wes yes. is the one telling her about freddy at, so i think Wes is the is the official doom prophet in this movie and, and not it's actually is he,
1: yeah he's a good he's, doom prophet
0: he's fucking that's why i was getting ready to say he's the coolest doom prophet we've ever seen because like it's meta but at the same time it's so creepy the way that he delivers all that stuff it's great like i mean i i think he's probably the best doom prophet we've seen
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't know that anyone's gonna top it
0: they can't i mean because they're either they play crazy ralph i mean which (laughs) is a a epitome of what you think of a doom prophet or they play this like cool like you know I, i don't even know how to describe it it's just i mean he he gives the information that's needed to the main character but also imparts enough like menace to it that that you're like oh shit like stuff's about to hit the fan right now you know so yeah uh, dumbest moment. I don't really feel like there is. I feel like they, 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 he gave Heather the benefit of the doubt in this movie and played her as fairly intelligent. The only thing that I, that came across as kind of dumb was her running across that freeway, but it was her son running away. I mean, across traffic. I don't know of any mother who wouldn't like throw caution to wind to try to save her <laughs> kid. I mean,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's a tough decision that I couldn't, you, you feel like you can't just watch your kid go through that it's like well if I'm gonna die I'm gonna die trying to save him you know I don't know I don't know that I would but I've not been put in that situation so
0: yeah I I hate to label I mean I, I, I if I was picking one that's what it is but I hate to even label it dumb because without being in that situation yourself you don't know what you do and even like if you go back to pet cemetery like the father or the family in that or they I mean when they I mean they try to run out and like you know, yeah. almost get hit by the truck. So I mean, kind of interesting for Miko Hughes that he's got that parallel between the two movies, but uh, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um my dumbest moment I thought I would this this upset me in the movie it was her taking her son to a psych ward basically, knowing that they were gonna put him to sleep. What did you think was gonna happen? What did you think was going to happen there? And not bringing even if she, even if she didn't think it was related at the moment cuz she was still kind of on the fence of this isn't real. So I'll I'll give her that pass. But you're taking your kid to a psych ward and you're not giving him a stuffed animal? Yeah. That he feels I, safe with?
0: I I could see that portion of it. So yeah, that that might be the better dumb moment just because of the fact that it's it's dumb but it's, it, it's dumb in a very human, natural yeah. way. Yeah,
1: but then when she realizes the one thing that... Because he, he he emotes to her, I need Rex. And she's like, oh, you need Rex? Well, he's at the house across the freeway.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you see where I'm getting with this?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get where you're going with that one. So, um, I just... Wrapping it up on this one, um, we'll pick it back up next time with, uh, um, you know, Night Run Elm Street, the 2010 remake. Yeah. Uh, damn good movie. Um, oh, probably, yeah. Probably uh, after the first movie, the best in the series, if you really want to get down to it. Uh, I just don't – you can't say it's a sequel because it's not. It's its own thing.
1: Yeah. But, God damn. I know it's not – okay. No, I can't <laughs> call it my favorite sequel, but this is, like – it is my personal favorite Freddy movie now of the series.
0: I still think I default to part 1 because yeah. I like I like what but yes this is my second favorite uh now that I've went back and actually put the time into it with Dream Warriors been a close third because I still love what they did in that oh, movie yeah. and and the horror in
1: it. that film was fucking real.
0: Yeah, I mean and but they also had the the Freddy that we want in that movie too. That so. is
1: true, yeah. <clears throat>
0: But yeah, great movie. Um, I wished I hadn't slept on it, but um, (laughs) years.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a watch and it's a rewatch. And if you don't want to go to sleep, watch it uh, because you won't sleep very well.
0: (laughs) Uh, But with that, peace be with
1: you and with your spirit. Did not. Why do I always press that button? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking roll into the next one. I'm so pissed now.